This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Sunday evening, 
traditions are rooted in men and not in God. So be careful about traditions. Now, we all have traditions, and, and especially as we get closer to the holiday time, we have traditions. I encourage you to keep those, but don't build your life on, well, that's the way we've always done it. Right? You get in trouble. And if you do that, because everything will pass you by. Um, reason is the third thing not to build your life upon. Reason. I don't trust my own brain. Now, as I get older in life, uh, I've learned not to trust my own brain. You know, and, and I, I just told somebody, I walked in the kitchen just a few minutes before we began, and I walked in and I looked at somebody who was in there on the hospitality team, and I said, what did I come in here for? Don't tell me you never do that. And uh, you know, why am I here? You know, and you kind of get constantly confused. The reason, our brains, and you know, we think we can figure it all out, and when we think we've figured it all out, And the fourth thing, and this is what stunts and gets so many people in so much trouble, is they build their life on foundation, upon how I feel today, um, what my feelings are, emotions. And the reason we don't want to build our lives on these four things is very simply this. They're like the sandbars out there in the ocean. They shift with every storm that comes through. Once here, and now it's gone. And they're like sand. They don't stay settled. They, they move all of the time. You're constantly uh, changing, shift. You want your life to be built on the solid, never-ending Word of God. The second way to integrate your life in the Word of God is to feed on it. We ought to all understand feed. You parents of teenage boys understand feed, don't you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat. Feed. You feed on the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the, uh, that the Scriptures, the Word of God, is spiritual food. In fact, it uses several pictures as Jesus would teach on it. In other places in the Bible, calling it water or milk, uh, bread, uh, the meat of spiritual of spiritual life. Everything that you're going to need for spiritual sustenance to sustain you spiritually is found in Scripture. Now, uh, let me say this again, and I say this every now and then because it's so true. You will never mature as a Christian. Never mature as a Christian until you get to the place in your life where you learn to feed yourself. A lot of parents in here today, you moms remember that first time you set that little boy, little that ugly boy in the high chair, you set that, that bowl of whatever it was, those strained prunes or whatever you gave them, you know, you put them there. And you gave them a spoon, you handed them a spoon, and they had seen what that spoon does. They had seen you over and over, dip the spoon in, and they'll open their mouth, and then you put it in there. And you said, now it's your turn to feed yourself. And they reached out and they grabbed that spoon. About 20% got into their mouth, and the rest of it was all over them, and the high chair, and the floor, and the walls, and everywhere. But they did get some of that in their mouths. And for you moms, you got out the camera, the phone, it's on pictures, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook. You sent it to Grandma because it was like Liberation Day for your moms. My child has begun to feed himself. And I wonder if God doesn't somehow sometimes react the same way. When you and I as Christians realize we don't know what, we don't any longer need to be spoon-fed, we can start feeding ourselves. And we begin to do that. It is our, it is our, our, our nourishment. 
Just like you and I need physical food for physical strength, you've got to have spiritual food for spiritual strength. Every day. Not just on Sundays. Now, for example, if you were a contractor, you were a builder, and you were looking for a crew to come and start framing you know, a house that you're getting ready to build, and the guy shows up, and, and he doesn't look so good, but he's got a tool belt with him that he can barely pick it up. And, uh, and you talk to him a little bit, and you find out this guy who wants to come to work for you hasn't eaten anything in two weeks. What good is he going to be to you that day? John, what good is he? John's a builder. Is he going to be any good to you that day? He's going to be no good. He can't do it because he has not had the nourishment to keep him going for a very physical task. I used to frame when I was a younger man. I found out in my 30s, I didn't want to keep doing this the rest of my life, toting six by sixes and two and, and two by twelves, and, and, and so that's a young man's game. You've got to have a, a pretty good amount of physical strength to do that. Imagine you're a commander in the army, and you say, would you send a person into battle if you had to eat your life? No, of course not. We need to feed ourselves so that we have strength to accomplish the tasks ahead of us. And the Bible says this: when he's a commander. success on building your life on winning the spiritual battles you face if you continue to starve yourself to death. I love you very much and I appreciate the fact that you're here today and you've got your Bibles, you've got your notes, you're going to write some things down, but just let, let me say to you, plead with you, if this is the only spiritual nourishment you get, 30, 35 minutes a week is what you get right here and that's it, you're starving yourself to death got to begin to feed on the Word of God and regularly daily. Now, here's the thing about the Bible. I was, I was uh, I had, went through the buffet line when I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago. And I had a meeting at a conference I was at, and they had this big buffet set up, and it was a buffet of Mexican food. And if you know me, you know I love Mexican food. Used to live in Southern California, I love Mexican food. And here's this buffet, and they had all of stuff on it. And confession's good for the soul, right? Steve, Steve Seekers was back there. He was across the table with me loading up, and he ate way too much food. But you, but you know what the truth of the matter is? When you eat a whole lot, breakfast, lunch, whatever it might be, and, and you really eat, and you'll eat, and you'll, find, you'll be done, and you'll set your fork down or your knife down, and, and you're finished, and you'll say, I'm full. I'm content. I'm not hungry anymore, unless you're a 14 year old boy. I'm not hungry anymore. But the Bible's different than that. I'm talking about spiritual food and the Word of God. Here's the deal with the Bible the more you eat, the hungrier you get. The more you eat of Scripture, the more you want to eat Scripture. The more you take in, the more you want to take in. And so that's how the, the Scriptures work. So, you know, we find out, I learned how what the scripture says, taste and see how good the Lord is and the sweetness of the honey of the Lord. So I'm going to cause the milk of the Lord and get hungry with that. So you and I need to be feeding ourselves in the Lord. Our memory verse that we learned about this was Colossians 3.16. Would you say that with me? Colossians 3.16. God got you lost. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it move into you. Let him inhabit you. 
Let it take up residence in a rich, profound, life-giving way. Now, how do I do that? How do we ensure that when God's Word is dwelling in us and building us up? Well, if you've been here through this series, uh, let me give you some quick review points about how we do that. Number one, I can receive it with my ears. That's what you're doing right now, I hope. I can receive it with my ears. I'm hearing the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes through hearing and hearing from the Word of God. How do you hear it? Well, you have to be somewhere where it's being spoken. Isn't that true? So you commit yourself to coming to church and to listening to the Word of God as opposed to being preached and as it's being taught. And you're listening when it's read to you. You're reading it off the screen and you're listening to it. And you listen to His voice. You hear the Word of God. Some of you by listening to Christian teaching on Christian radio, perhaps, or MP3s or CDs or when you listen to podcasts. And, and listening is an important part. But the problem with listening this. We forget those are wanting to hear. But that's the only way it comes into us. We forget it. 95% of what we hear only, we forget. People wonder, why do you have so much stuff up on the screen? Because it comes in through another one of our senses and it allows me to remember a little bit better. But if I'm just hearing, 95% of what we hear, well, maybe you know that men forget about 105% of what we hear. So you can't just let it go in one ear and out the other. You've got to do the second thing. The second way to feed on the Word of God is to read it with our eyes. You have to read it. Why do you think God gave us this book? We read Tyndale. We talked about it in Psalm 7. Translated the Bible into English in the 1500s, before the King James Version of the Bible. Translated the Bible, and he was said the story goes, he was looking out his window in his house where he was, and he saw, saw a young man out there plowing in the field. And he said, it was like the Spirit of God tugged at his heart. He said, we need to translate the Bible into English so that, in his words, every English plowboy can read the Bible for himself. Not just have it read to him, can read it for himself. We read the Bible. God gave us this book not so that you can put it on a shelf. Having a Bible, some of you are superstitious. Having a Bible in your house is not going to bless your home. It's not going to keep your house from burning down if it catches on fire. My family, when I was growing up, uh, they bought this uh, big white family Bible. It was one of these things that's this tall and that wide and that thick and had gold leaf edges on the pages. And you open it up and it gives you a place to write everybody's birthdays and names and dates and all that. Family Bible. It sat at our living room coffee table, prominently displayed. It was a great thing to have in the house, but let me tell you something about having a Bible in your home, whether it's a big family Bible or your own personal Bible. If it just sits there, it never gets open, it never gets read, it does nothing for you. Did you hear that? It does nothing if it's just sitting there and not being read. You've got to take it in by reading the Word of God. But therein is a weakness, just like listening where we only remember in 95 or 5% of what we hear. Have you ever read a passage or a book in the Scripture, sat down and read a passage? And some of you realize this over the last six weeks, this happened to you. You read that passage, you look up and you read that passage, and you realize after you read that passage, you don't, you didn't, what did I just read? Because you got distracted. You started thinking about everything you needed to do that day, and other things distracted you, and you couldn't remember, you really didn't pay attention, it didn't stick. 
So there's a third way that we feed our kingdom of God. That is how research it with my hands and with my mouth. Research it with my hands and with my mouth. That means studying the word of God. Do you remember we talked about the difference between reading devotionally and studying the Bible? There's differences between those two. When you study the Bible, you're writing things down. You're jotting things down. You're getting your thoughts down on paper. You're journaling what God is speaking to you about in the scriptures. And you get some tools to aid your study. Uh, we talked about doing that. You get some good tools, like a good study Bible with good study Bible notes, like a good commentary that helps explain some of those more difficult passages. I need help with this. And there's people that are smarter than me anyway that have written these things down for us. Like a good concordance where every word in the Bible is given. You can look up those words and find them. But you also don't just study the Bible by researching books and things and knowing them. Study the Bible when you talk to other believers. And that's one reason why. And some of you, you're saying, man, I wish you all would stop talking about connection groups. If you had just thought talking about joining a small group or connection group, I'd be much happier. And then I'm like, can I just give you my response to that? Is that okay? You probably need to go find another church. Because connection groups are the DNA of the United States Church. We believe so strongly. We even have a connection group because we have people that are scattered about. They don't live right here in the Outer Banks. So they can't connect with people on a regular basis in a physical place, come to somebody's house or what might be. We have a connection group for those people who live in other counties and even other states. We have a connection group that they do online. They do together, FaceTime kind of a thing, and they meet together. It's important that you connect with other people. Why? So you can study the Word together because I connect with other people, and we're studying the Word together. I get to listen to what they're learning from God's Word. I'm in a group. I'm in a very small group. Like the, the other guys in the group that I'm in are this morning, there are three of us. You know, probably, how come just three? We meet at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings. It only takes a real man to get up. Isn't that hard? Yeah. 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings is what we meet because that works best for some It doesn't work best for me. But I just want to be with these guys and I learn from them as they share what they're learning from the scriptures. We feed ourselves by feeding one another from the truth. God is speaking to us out of his word. The fourth way I feed myself from the word of God is I can reflect on it with my mind. That means I don't just read it. I maybe talk about it, but then I might go on if I'm not careful that nothing happened. So I spend time reflecting and meditating on the word of God. And in this series, we study different ways to meditate, to reflect on the word of God, to think about it, to chew on it, to discuss it with ourselves, with yourself. You ever talk to yourself? You ask yourself a question and get the answer? That doesn't necessarily mean you're crazy. You might be meditating on scripture. When we do that, we discuss it with ourselves. Not Eastern religion, the same meditation. I'm not talking about some kind of yoga thing where you sit in the middle of your home, cross legged, and empty your mind. When you meditate on Scripture, you're not meditating with an empty mind, you're meditating on a mind that's full of the Word of God. Big difference. Fill your mind with Scripture. 
The fifth way I can feed myself is I remember it with my heart. You've memorized half a dozen verses in this study. I can receive the word of God in my ears. And that's an important thing. Now I've got here, I've got to pour out. There's not water in this container. I'm going to pour it into this coffee mug. If you allow me to do that. Now the, the cup represents That's just a cup of water. Most of you guys would say that, but it's hot water. Now, I have a tea bag, and the tea bag represents the scripture of the Bible. Now, it doesn't have to be five passages, five chapters of scripture. It doesn't have to be the whole book. It might just be a paragraph. But some days, it's only a, a phrase, maybe, of scripture. The tea bag represents the scripture. So here's here's what happens when you say, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and that's going to be my spiritual nourishment for the week. It's like taking the tea bag. I'll get it to go down because I don't want to give it away, so I'll just say that. Taking the tea bag and putting it down in the water and then taking it out. Right? What do I have here? Do I have tea? I put the tea bag in the water. I put the scripture there into my soul. But I'm not meditating on it. I'm not remembering it. So, when I when I receive it with my ears, it's like dipping it into the bag one more time. When I dip it into the bag one time, I've received it with my ears. doesn't do a whole lot to the water. But if I come back and I begin to read it with my eyes, and I begin to research it, and I begin to study it, to, to listen to other people talk about it, and I begin to memorize it, and I begin to reflect on it throughout the day, and thinking about what I heard and what I read, and so forth, and I'm, I'm chewing on it, so I'm just letting it sit there for a little while, and I'm going to think about it and chew on it, and I'm going to remember it. Before long, I look at my life, looking at this glass here, and the water has turned into Looks like tea. It smells like tea. It's nectar, and um, and, and I, I might drink it, and I can handle it, but it, it sure could use a little bit of surrender, you know. I like hot tea, but it's now tea, is it not? And so I've read it, I've meditated on it, and I'm dunking it over and over. By the way, when I did that dunk down in there, that's not a picture of baptism, okay? That's not what that means. I put myself in the story, I'm reflecting, I'm meditating, I'm emphasizing different words in different ways, I'm asking the questions, I'm probing into it, paraphrasing it, putting it into my own words, and I, and I say, Lord, Lord, uh, we're studying this passage of Scripture this week in my group, and I want to get it, and I want to learn it, and so I'm doing all these things. What does it mean to reflect on it? Something starts to happen in my soul, just like something has happened in this water. The water absorbed 
the color and the flavor and the aroma and the character of the tea. And that's what it's like to let the Word of Christ dwell in you and make sure you end up with great, strong tea. We get that served by the Spirit itself in the UBCs. So let us God want us to do that. Let us want us to get into the Word. Now let me go to the next one. Not only do, are we to feed on it and integrate it into our lives, but if we do that best, we'll be fine that we begin to live by it. Live by it. The Word of God is not only food for your soul, the Word of God is your standard of living. It's the bar you set. It's the standard. It's the Word of God becomes your go-to by which you judge everything else of value in your life. It's the standard by which you make decisions for the things you're facing in life. You've got to build your life on something. You've got to base those decisions on something that comes in there by the Word of God to become the standard by which you live. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the Word of God. What does that mean? It means if you want your life to be blessed, you don't build your life on the counsel of, of the world or the way the world thinks, but you meditate, you build your life on the way that God thinks. And the counsel of the ungodly, that's the stuff that we hear all the time from people at work, from people at school, on television, in the media, the counsel of the ungodly, the movies and print. It's the talk. It's the viral stuff that goes on in the world around us. It's the values of the world. And the Bible says, if you want your life to be blessed, you don't live your life by that kind of counsel. Rather, live your life, build your life, feed your life on the Word of God. It's the Word of God that will give you hope when you're in crisis. Have you ever been in crisis? Some of you say, I don't know that I've ever been in crisis in my life. It will happen. Right? It will happen in your life. And it's the Word of God that will give you comfort when you're in despair. It's the Word of God that gives you strength when you're weak and gives you wisdom when you're confused. It gives you guidance when you're looking for direction. It's the Word of God that gives you the strength to resist the fight against temptation. Psalm 119, verse 11, our verse that we've I think we've already said this. Let's say it again. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is what memorizing the Bible is about. It's about hiding it in my heart, not to keep it away from everybody, but to hide it, store it there so it's there when I need to use it, take it into my heart. By doing so, you've memorized Scripture that will help, according to that verse, keep you from what? Sin. It's like a big stop sign that pops up. When you, you, know, you get tempted and the Holy Spirit reminds you of some Scripture that you've memorized that Scripture stops you from taking the step from temptation to sin. Remember when the story when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Right after he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted by the devil, he's out there for 40 days, and the devil comes up to him, and he, and he does three times he tries to tempt Jesus. And all three times, Jesus used only one weapon. Paul called it in Ephesians, he said it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And all three times, Jesus used that one weapon to defend himself. And every time Satan would say, hey, Jesus, why don't you do this and I'll make you mad? And Jesus would say, it's written. And he would quote scripture. Well, hey, Jesus, how about if we do this and you do this and I promise you I'll give you that? And Jesus said, 
it's written. And he would quote scripture again. The devil would tempt him again, and Jesus would say, Find out you're right. Are you not the same? It is written. And he would quote the scripture. That's the only weapon he used to defend himself. So if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to defend yourself with the good. Now, it's really not practical to carry a Bible around with you everywhere you go. That's not really practical. I remember I had a little New Testament I carried in the front pocket of my jeans. And Judy with high school, right here, where my wallet is to the ground, my New Testament is there. And I remember I told you the story before. I was walking down the hall, and I was actually out outside working by the classrooms in a teacher's stopping. Because in those days, in those days, it was to get cigarettes at school. And the teacher looked and he saw that New Testament Bible and he was so lucky. I had a box of cigarettes. And he said, what's that in your pocket? Well, I smiled at him. And I reached in and I pulled out my little blue New Testament. I said, just find it on God's own. That's not practical, however, to carry. Another time I used to carry the Bible with me. Uh, When I went to the beach in Southern California, I'd have that little New Testament with Instead of a wallet, if I took a few bucks, I could go and get a Pepsi while I was at the beach and stick my money in the New Testament. I thought, surely people will know somebody's Bible. You know, they're not going to look there. And I got robbed. Man, my Bible kept it safe in the Word of God. So, uh, you know, but it's not practical to carry a Bible around with you everywhere. And here's what happens. When we get tempted to sin, the time between temptation and then actually committing the sin might not be more. A split second. Not true? Sometimes it's just that fast. You don't have time when the temptation comes to say, stop, 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 just a minute. Let me go find my commentary. Let me go grab my Bible. Let me call my pastor. Let me find somebody who can help me with a verse to get me through this temptation so I don't fall into the sin. You don't have time to do that, but if you have hidden God's word in your heart, you have this done as soon as the temptation comes, just like Jesus, you say, well, you know what? It is written, and it stops you from committing that sin. That's the promise of the Word of God. He wants, it to, he wants us to remember it, to put it in our lives, to memorize it, let it be the standard we live our lives by. Father, if you rule our lives, we fight for the truth. Let me bring us back real quickly to the picture. Romans chapter 2. Let's see what you see what's happened um, as I put my tea back in there. I can put it back in there somewhere. It's been hot. I don't know what's the deal with this. But what it's done is that the, the water has absorbed the color and the flavor and the aroma of the cake or the tea. But something else happened to the water that was in that cup. It's taken on a whole new identity, hasn't it? You now have not just a cup of water. let the Word of Christ dwell in you virtually, and you're breaking a new life into the Word of God on a regular basis, what happens is the flavor, the nature, the aroma of Christ begins to dwell in you in a rich way, but something else happens to you. You take on this whole new identity of being a man and woman of God, and it's all He wanted you to be. You begin to become the man or woman of God that you have always wanted to be. Christ dwells in you richly.
this thing. God's never going to guide you in the, the wrong direction. Will other people guide you in the wrong direction? You ever been given some bad advice, even by uh, a good friend who thought they were giving you good advice? Of course. But if God tells you, I want you to go that way, you've got to go that way because whatever direction God tells you to go, that's the right way to go. Are you ever in the dark? Dark time of the Lord being allowed. The light to my feet, the light to my path. The flashlight verse in the Bible, if you want to follow that. Showing me where the, the path is so in the dark I don't step onto it at night. Are you ever in the dark? Right now, maybe you think you don't have the slightest idea of what I'm supposed to do about this relationship I'm in right now. I don't have the slightest idea of whether or not I should accept this job that I've been offered. I don't have the slightest idea where, where I should invest next. And I'm personally I'm discovering that closer I grow to retirement, so for you getting close to retirement, don't dream of time. Yeah, I am. It's not going to get any closer than that. Don't dream of time. The closer I get to retirement, I wonder, all right, Lord, if, 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 I wish you had a crystal ball for me. I wish you could show me on a big movie screen, this is where your life is going to be, I want you to be next. Or, or are you confused, Rick? Yeah, I get you. I'm not confused. I'm just in the dark. Just in the dark. What are you doing in Somebody tell me, you walk into a room in your house and it's dark. What do you do? You flip on the light. Exactly. Smart crowd. Bitch, flip on the light so that you can see. That's why you need to memorize that verse because it's a promise from God. And the next time you're in the dark, or maybe today, if you're confused and don't know which way to turn, don't know what to do or where to go, you just say, Lord, you know, you said in Psalm 119, that your word is a light to my feet. start reading it and show me what you want me to do. God's word. I'll say just one last thing because we have just concluded 40 days in the word. It's over and it's done and uh, so I want you to listen to what I have to say. If you want to change groups now, say I've been in this group for the last six weeks but I'd like to go try another group, go for it. That's always acceptable. That's always okay. And if you want to start a new group, let us know because we'd love to start new the habit of being in a group, group study, and having personal study so that you can become the man and the woman of the Lord that God wants you to be. And the first week that we did this, how many of you signed that covenant? Remember that piece of paper that you signed? Anybody who gave it to your pastor to sign? A few of us, sorry. The words are up on the screen, and uh, it says simply this, I commit to living a life transformed by God's Word, by reading the God, the Word of God daily, Putting God's word into action by memorizing God's word. We want that to be a lifetime, a lifetime promise to God. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.